Well, good morning and welcome to First Presbyterian Church once again. We are so delighted that you have joined us here in the sanctuary or via our live stream and hope that this time of worship would be a blessing uh, as you grow in your walk with Jesus Christ. And so we are so glad that you are here. When we come to this time in worship, when we open up God's word and dive deep into it, we as believers profess that God speaks to us. We do not serve a God who sits aloof or removed from his creation. We serve a God who communicates and actively speaks to his people primarily through his word. And so when we come to the pages of the Holy Scripture, we take that very seriously and know that God speaks in these moments. So as we turn in our Bibles today, let us go before him in prayer, then we will begin. Rock of ages, you do not remain silent. You are not removed from your people. You are a God who shepherds, and as we just sang, who leads us. You speak to us. And as we open your word this morning, we confess that it contains all that is needed to live in right relationship with you and be saved by your grace. And so this morning, Father, give us ears to hear. Bring us peace through your word. Convict us where we need convicting. Encourage us where we need encouraging. And may your Holy Spirit fall fresh in this place. Watch over us now, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Today we will be investigating Psalm chapter 23. If you have your pew Bible, that is page 862 in your pew Bible. It will also be on the screens for you. Um, Psalm 23 is without a doubt the most famous of the 150 Psalms and arguably one of the more famous chapters in the entire Bible. Whether you have been around Christianity or not, Psalm 23 has seeped even into the popular culture, and anyone in this room or online could give us a brief synopsis of the themes in Psalm 23. They might not be able to quote it verbatim, but they would be able to give us an idea of what it says. It's read in funerals, it's prayed over in times of suffering, and it has even been used in art and music. Um, People like Bach, U2, Pink Floyd, Megadeth, and many more have all used the words of Psalm 23 in their music at some point along the way. This psalm is six verses, 109 verses, words in the NIV translation, but actually 55 words in the Hebrew, which it was originally penned by King David. King David is the second king of Israel's united monarchy, and he writes this um, psalm around 1000 BC. We cannot know the exact date that he writes it or the exact situation surrounding what is going on, but most scholars tend to agree that David wrote Psalm 23 towards the end of his life. Now, that provides incredible context for what is going on here in the psalm and what it says about God's character and nature. 
Now, I want to remind you, David was the second king of Israel. He was called a man after God's own heart. He had many strategic victories in his career as the king of Israel, and he had everything anyone could want. He had power, he had fame, he had fortune, he could make people do things at his request, he could have anything he wanted for dinner. There was no limit to the power of King David within the confines of Israel, so much so that he was called a man after God's own heart. We all know David had sin in his life and that sin would catch up to him at times. But for the most part, David is um, a man after God's own heart and the scriptures profess that. Towards the end of David's life, when this psalm was probably written, things began to spiral a bit out of control, though. You see, King David was dealing with the consequences of some of his sins that you might know about and you can read about throughout the Old Testament. The popular opinion of the people of Israel was beginning to turn against King David due to a smear campaign led by one of his sons, Many things were going on in his life, and then the worst thing that a parent could have to deal with, he had to mourn the loss of one of his children. Everything that King David had worked so hard for seemed to be spiraling a bit out of control. And in those moments, he writes these words. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. What's so interesting is everyone here has a particular way that they relate to God. Each of us here, or whether you're joining us online, we have a way that we view God and our relationship to Him. Some of us in this place have a very um, familial and close relationship with Jesus. We view Jesus as walking beside us. God is very involved in the intimate details of our life, and we view Him as close, Some of us swing the pendulum a little to the other way and we view God as transcendent, enthroned in glory, and and just kind of distant. That he's out there, and yes, he rules and reigns over all things, but I'm not sure if he's concerned with the details of my life, the things I worry about, the things I celebrate. And if we go to the extreme with that, some people would even argue that God is just kind of, as the disciples figured out in Mark when Jesus was asleep at the bottom of the boat, maybe God's just asleep at the wheel. And it's up to me to figure this thing out and get through the difficulties of life and just bear the weight of the world on my shoulders. And in response to these, King David writes these words. And I want to remind you, King David started his life as a shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. There's two things I want to point out here in these first few words. One, if you look back in verse one and on the screens here, you see that the word Lord is four capital letters, okay? It is not a capital letter followed by three lowercase. It's capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. The reason for that is in the Hebrew in which this was originally written, the word behind the word Lord there, if you will, is actually the name Yahweh. Yahweh is God's proper name, Y-H-W-H. The Hebrews did not often write with vowels. Pronounced Yahweh, it was called the Tetragrammaton. This is God's proper name. God's name is not God. God's name is Yahweh. 
Here's why I'm pointing this out. The Jews of the day revered God's name as so holy, so, deserved so much honor that they would not actually use God's proper name, but instead developed various titles such as Lord or the word Adonai, that as you're reading the Old Testament, you will find that several times, so they could avoid not saying the name of God. David, though, says, Yahweh is my shepherd. Here's why that's important. He's reminding us and himself that the God of the universe, that the God who spoke and all things came into existence, the God who knows everything that is happening at every level and how every event plays into every other event, the God who hung the stars and set them at their temperatures, the God who put the earth in its rotation, the God who knows every bit of meiosis and mitosis, who knows every word of every chapter of every book ever written is your shepherd. God is your shepherd. He says, Yahweh is my shepherd. He uses the word my and individualizes this. Now, all throughout the Old Testament, we get um, this metaphor, this analogy used for God. God is seen as a shepherd. You can look at Psalm chapter 80, Psalm 100, Ezekiel chapter 34, and several other locations. Every other time that metaphor or that analogy is used, God is the shepherd to a community, to a group of people. In our southern dialect, we would say God is y'all's shepherd. The only time that this is individualized is here in Psalm 23. Yahweh is my shepherd. That when the struggles of life hit me, when situations go awry, when things don't go as planned, Yahweh is my shepherd. You see, we're all wired to follow something. God designed that in our very DNA. And you and I, whether we want to admit it or not, we follow something or someone. It could be your favorite guru. It could be a podcast that you tune into and get life advice from. It could be a career coach. It could be a counselor. It could be the pursuit of something. Maybe you follow the pursuit of a career or the um, accumulation of stuff. Maybe you blindly take advice from this person or that person. Humans are wired to follow. And this is where, as a pastor, we would give you the typical trope of how dumb sheep are as animals, right? And you've all heard that. But here's the reality. Let me push back on that for a second. Sheep are highly intelligent animals. They really are. You can look this up. I didn't make that up. Sheep, uh, they problem solve, they mourn tragedies, they hang out in groups, they're very intelligent animals. They do have one fatal flaw though. They will follow anything, anywhere. And I mean it. They will follow another sheep, whatever's in front of them, they will follow it to the trough or to the slaughter. They will follow it to a place to rest or off a cliff, there's documented cases of that happening. If one sheep goes off a cliff, guess what? 
We're all barbecuing after this, okay? It's just that's how it's going to happen. Doesn't that sound familiar? We are a people designed to follow others. And today God is offering us, I will be your shepherd. I will shepherd you through this life. My rod and my staff will bring you comfort and I will lead you to green pastures. Follow me. Who are you following? What are you following? Are you following Yahweh? Are you pursuing him? Are you letting him guide you? Now, now here's the thing. I read this. I read Psalm chapter 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. And I, I hear that. And then I read things like Romans 8, 28 that say, in all things, God is at work for good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. And so I believe that over here, but then my life seems to be playing out a different way. And I don't know if you've experienced this, but isn't life hard? Aren't there difficulties in life? Isn't there pain? Isn't there, aren't there questions? And I hear these things in the scripture, and, and part of me is going, then why did this happen? Well, how does this add up? What's going on over here? And, and many of you have struggled with the loss of a loved one or the diagnosis of a terminal illness or you have PTSD after your service in the military or you have a failed business venture or something going on in your life that you have question marks surrounding and you have open wounds in your life and you feel alone. You feel like you're kind of wandering and you don't know where to turn. And King David says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. You know, we read Romans eight twenty eight. God is working good in all things for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. And I guess the big question is, what is good? Because good is subjective, right? What's good to you might not be good to me and vice versa. God, God's main concern in your life is not happiness. You see, we have built industry after industry after industry, self-help after consumer mentality after medication, and I'm not knocking any of those things, but all built on the pursuit of happiness. God's main goal in our lives is not happiness, it's holiness. Because the good shepherd knows that what is best for us is to draw nearer to him. And oftentimes we must walk through the valley of the shadow of death to get to the greener pastures. And oftentimes in the scriptures, when you look at situations going on, God doesn't deliver through the situation until he delivers in the situation. Take Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, for example. They are thrown into the fiery furnace at the hands of King Nebuchadnezzar for not bowing down to him, essentially him or his idol and praying to him. And what happens? 
a fourth man, one like the Son of Man, appears. And they are delivered in the situation before they're delivered through the situation. I think a lot of times we view God as the ambulance driver that's reacting to situations and circumstances of our lives. What if God instead is the skillful surgeon who knows that the incision is going to hurt, who knows that the road to recovery will be tough and there will be pain, but it's for our good and our healing and our holiness. There was a Jewish rabbi in Russia during the time of Russian persecution. Um, He was imprisoned and he would write letters to his wife. He would send these letters, but before they would mail them out, the guards would read through the letters in order to ensure that nothing, you know, he wasn't giving away any clues or saying any kind of propaganda or anything like that. Um, If everything checked out, they would send the letter on to his wife. So they would communicate back and forth, and towards the winter time, at the end of the year, the wife writes the husband in jail and says, we are running out of food. Um, I'm trying to plant potatoes, but I can't plow the ground. The ground is frozen. The husband writes back, please do not plow the ground. It's where I've hidden all of our weapons. The guards intercept this letter, and they never send it. The next day, a wagon full of soldiers pulls up to the house and they begin just tearing apart the yard. uh, Shovels and just tearing it apart. And the wife has no idea what's going on. She's distraught. What, What is happening? Why are they doing this? Why is this coming into my life? She writes her husband, you're not gonna believe this. They've torn everything apart. He writes back to her, you can plant the potatoes now. What if the suffering and pain of our life, the real, I am not invalidating, the real suffering and pain we go through is not in vain? What if it's not wasted? What if instead of damage, it's plowing so that something beautiful might grow? God has your holiness in mind. Denzel Washington, that great man of faith, uh, once said there are two types of pain in this world. There's pain that hurts and there's pain that transforms. Believer, there is no teardrop that falls from your cheek that is wasted in the economy of God. There is no situation that will come into your life as difficult as they are, as tough and devastating and open-ended question mark as they are that God wastes. He is not a God of waste. He is a good shepherd. In John chapter 10, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. This is the good news of the gospel and this morning it's for you. Let's keep going. Verse one, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. We live in a society that is early and often telling us to consume, right? If you don't believe me, just turn on the TV. Every ad is based on, you should get this. This will make your life better. 
that longing you feel inside, this will make you happy. This new Lexus or this new house or this second golden retriever or whatever it is. And we live in a society that pushes on us that if you just consume more, then you'll be happy. And whatever marketing campaign they're doing is working. Because consumer debt is around $17 trillion in the United States alone. And don't we, at some level, have that gnawing in our life that something's just not right. I'm just not satisfied. And we convince ourselves that if we get to a certain level of income or we move to a certain location or we get our kids in this right place or if everything works out in my marriage today, then we will be satisfied. And the prophet Isaiah says we are filling broken cisterns that do not hold water. And what he is saying is that we are looking for our joy and our sustained, deep, abiding life in the wrong places. We're following the wrong things. Because the Lord is my shepherd. I shall want for nothing. So I'm going to ask you two questions. Only one word is different in the questions. First question. Do you feel as though you have everything you need? If we were honest, the answer is probably no. If we think about it, uh, I need new clothes. These are out of fashion. I need a new car, mine's due for an oil change, and Lord knows that's expensive, so I need to buy a new one. (laughs) Don't act like y'all don't do that. (laughs) I need better this. I need to get my air conditioner fixed. I need this thing done. We are a people consumed with wants. So let me ask you the follow-up question. Do you have everything you need? When the Lord is your shepherd, you have all that you need. You have everything that you could want or imagine because the God of the universe is guiding you. When God is our shepherd, he is our joy, our sustenance. He makes us lie down in green pastures. He protects us from our enemies. And yes, there is hurt, there is pain, there is difficulty, but you're not alone in that because you have a shepherd with you. You see, too often we feel as though God led us into the valley of the shadow of death and then he just disappeared. He hasn't abandoned you. And he's not making this up as he goes along. There is a plan and purpose for your life, for his kingdom. He is a good shepherd. And so today, in in conclusion, I don't have all the answers. I don't know why this situation happened to you or you're wrestling with this thing. I don't know why I suffer from the things I do and you wrestle with the things you do. I don't know why, but I know that the God of the universe is our shepherd. He's your shepherd. He has not forsaken you. He has not abandoned you. You are not alone in your suffering and pain. 
And the good news of the gospel is that the shepherd says, come to me, all you who are labored and feel heavy burdened. The invitation is to come this morning. It's to embrace the shepherd and follow him to put your trust and faith in him. And even when it doesn't make sense, even when it doesn't all add up, even when there's not a nice pretty bow on the package of all the answers you want, he's working for your good. And he's gonna get you there. So people of God, let's pray. Father, this morning, each of us have gone through hardships at some level or another. And maybe right now life is great and and praise God, that's fantastic. And maybe right now life is really tough. And as Claire prayed earlier, we're tired and we don't know what to do. Lord, in either of those situations and everything in between, we ask for your guiding presence that our hearts and our eyes would be transfixed upon you and that we would trust you, Lord. And Lord, that we would, with joy, walk with you through every season of life, knowing that our shepherd has our good in mind and that he's leading us to greener pastures so that we might rest. We love you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for speaking to us through your word. Thank you for being with us as we continue in worship. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.